I'm Stephen Jack Butella. This is the Land Academy Show. With us today, we have uh, Sean Mostrom. Sean, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So right in the, during the pre-show, you're talking about how you've done this or, or have been doing this for a couple of years now around the world, I guess you said. Where are you right now? Uh, currently, I'm in Costa Rica. I've been, yeah, I've been land investing for about five years. Um, been doing it from, you know, out of a, a car traveling around the U.S. I've been doing it in Mexico. Uh, you know, I've traveled a lot of different states and and done a lot of deals in a lot of different states states and countries as well so how'd you get into this how'd you get into buying and selling land and when did you do it give us some background please sure um so i graduated college i studied real estate in college actually and i had an adjunct professor that he was doing subdivides and he was you know selling off lots to home builders and i was like wow how do i how do i get involved with this sort of thing without going full scale you know that's like level 10 land investing right um how do I get involved with that? Just out of college, I got pretty much no money. I've been an athlete. Uh, I've been, you know, not working a job really at all, all throughout my college. And I just, uh, I picked up the book, uh, you know, Dirt Rich. I found you guys. I just learned as much as I possibly could about flipping land. And and I, I heard that you could do this from wherever and you could do it at whatever scale you, you're comfortable with. And I was I was pretty much in from there. You know, everybody remembers their first deal. Can you describe it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got my first deal. I got it actually, actually got it for free. Um, I sent out a mailer. I was super nervous. I pretty much, you know, had two, 5,000 bucks to my name, just coming out of college, working a job on the side. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send the mail, see what happens. And I got uh, a small, less than a quarter acre lot in the uh, mountains in Colorado lady was like, you know, I sent just a tax, tax delinquent. So the lady was like, you know, I'm behind on my taxes. I haven't been out there in a decade. Uh, you know, just take it. If you, if you know how to transfer the deed, just, you know, you can take it. I, I just want it off my plate. And I was like, well, this sounds like a great first one. I was still kind of nervous. Um, you know, what's going to happen if I just transfer this into my name and then, you know, the taxes go delinquent and I lose it. Anyways, I did it. I, I bought the property it was like probably four or 500 bucks in uh, delinquent taxes. So I paid them off, uh, ended up selling that deal on terms for, you know, six, six, 6,500 bucks. So it was, uh, it was like, wow, a light bulb moment. And uh, I think I, I, th I think I should look at this a little more seriously. <laughs> so, you know, it's not so much that actual first deal that I remember. And when I ask most people, it's, you know, they remember the details, like you have the first, first transaction, but it's what happens to you, uh, the effect that it has on you professionally after you get, you know, you sell it. And I had the same experience, you know, it was a di way different transaction, different dollar amounts and stuff, but that was it. I was done. So I, I knew exactly what I was going to, I, from that moment forward, I started shifting everything around in my life to make sure that this is my main focus. And then here we are, geez, that was in the nineties. So Right, right. Where are you now? Like, wh how many deals are you doing? What are you focused on? You know, I'm uh, trying to trying to ask you questions that I know our listeners would 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 love to know the answers to. Because you're living sure. the dream, man. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> right now, I I do. So I've been working uh, jobs throughout the last three or four years, kind of going from one job to the next. 
I did some sales. I did some single family home acquisitions. Um, I, I just did a, a few different things to, you know, first of all, get a, a paycheck because I'm just out of college trying to, you know, make it happen so I can send more mail. Uh, and then, you know, on the side, I've been doing uh, uh, a deal, two deals, three deals a month for about the last four or five years. If you, if you average it all out, probably deal to deal or two a month, but I've, you know, from that first deal, which was, you know, 6,500 bucks, I just tried to as quickly as possible, uh, go for bigger deals. So, you know, being a little more picky with, uh, you know, the deal size and, and making sure that if I'm going to spend time on the side, uh, here doing this, uh, that it's, you know, you know, worth the time. So, uh, I've been now doing it full time for about a, a year and a half. I haven't had a job for a year and a half. So I have been traveling throughout this whole time, but I've always kind of had the job in the background. So now I actually have my, my time freedom and, uh, my location freedom, which is, is an incredible feeling. So how do you buy a house from Costa Rica? How do you buy a house from Costa Rica? Yeah. In the States, you know, I was I was working for one of the uh, the larger funds, um, one of the the buyers that were they're buying homes back in the day. So, I was underwriting you know a thousand, okay. two thousand deals a month, understanding the single family game home or single family. Uh, but that those days are over. You know, interest rates have risen, and uh, they pretty much lay everyone off when that happens. So, um, that's the way it is uh, now, and I'm actually happy for it because. Yeah. If I would have been focused on that, I probably wouldn't have had the success I had in the last year with land. So, you know, I'm strangely happy about this interest rate fluctuation. Also, it seemed like for so long, interest rates were just close to zero, you know, two and three and 4% uh, mortgages are for a long time kind of just sets the wrong unrealistic tone for the world. So interest rate fluctuations are part of life. People always ask me, you know, what's going to happen in the next cycle? How, how is it going to work? And it really is very much tied to interest rates and the how that causes the availability of real estate. And so we have, yeah. um, I think, just, and it's not even what I think, it's statistically, I looked at what happened in 2023 and there's a lot more product, 20 or 30% more property for sale online. So that has to drive prices down ultimately. And we haven't really seen that price decrease yet. So- uh, right, right. We'll, we'll see what happens, but geez, that's a great cause and effect for you. Cause it drove you to start making different decisions about what type of product to buy. And, and it sounds like probably where, so right. what'd you do in 2023? 2023. Um, I pretty much just did, uh, land. I did my first six figure deal in land. So that was an absolutely life-changing transaction. Um, Learned how to learn how to double close. Learned how to uh, do novations. Learned learned a lot of different skills in 2023. Um, but I think they've all. I've I'm always been kind of all over the place, and I know I need to stop uh, with you know learning this skill and then learning that skill and then you know just focus. Sean uh, is is what I've taught myself in 2023, and I'm glad I did because uh, it, it was life changing uh, year for land for myself. So. I'll tell you what helped me uh, ridiculously focus is getting the right business partner. You know, yeah. Joe and I now, and it's been, geez, probably 15, more than 15 years that we've been uh, working together. You know, for some reason, she has the effect on me where she can look at what we're doing and say, 
this stuff over here really sucks. This stuff over here is sort of okay. And boy, if we just focused on this over here, we would do, we would smash it. And I don't, you know, it seems mm -hmm. like it's so obvious yeah. that we, do, we should know what we're supposed to do. And it just, yeah. for some reason, it takes somebody that, that you trust to, to tell you what's going on. Like what's your budget and what's your like 2024 look like? 2024. Um, I am, uh, I'm doing a lot of texting. I'm doing a lot of, uh, uh, dropping voicemails. I've done a lot of that with a single family. And I think that it, it can, it works for, for land as well, having a lot more conversations. Um, but you know, direct mail, there's, there's nothing that, uh, that beats direct mail and, you know, just having the deals come to you rather than, you know, having conversations that waste a lot of time. So it's the balance. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to scale and, and, you know, like you guys say, add a zero to, to my mm -hmm. transactions. Yeah, we we almost um my goal is to do probably 20 to 30 transactions uh with a, a six digit net profit margin after everything. Yeah. That's always been kind of our goal, but that's just not what happens. You send out the mail, you don't know what's gonna come back. So I kind of like I, we let let the deals come back and then within reason try to decide what we're gonna do with them instead of uh you know jamming the pipeline full of properties that we think are going to be six digit deals. So, right. Right. It's not always the one you're, you're going after that, that end up, uh, rising to the top. I mean, yesterday I had, I had someone that I sent, uh, an offer on, uh, and I was talking to her about selling her property in Tennessee. And then she goes and says, Hey, I have, uh, three lots and a home over here in Florida. And, you know, I'm, I haven't had a tenant. I haven't been living there for four years there's just been vacant. And I'm just like, well, it sounds like uh, that that's a deal I wasn't initially looking for, but it looks like a deal. And I happen to have a single family background as well. So, you know, it just, it's funny how things arise like that. I mean, it seems like you've grasped that concept really well, because it's very difficult for super new people, especially people that are a little bit older and uh, more informed about real estate. I, I include myself in that group, you know, we have, have some seasonality or have been seasoned in real estate, especially for a couple of decades, you just want to know, you want to predict outcomes the older you get. And that's just, right. just not what happens when you send out <laughs> 10,000 offers. You never know what you're getting back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never. And there's huge, huge opportunity, uh, opportunity in all of these mailers. You just got to work it. You got to create the real estate deals. Those are basic concepts. Like when we started Land Academy, I, I really... Uh, I didn't think what we have to uh, go over from a topical standpoint over and over and over again, I didn't think that it would be the things that, th that they are, but predicting outcomes in this is tough, but, and, and because of that, you can't jam that. It's not, you can't jam it into a, you know, the round peg square hole here. You have to take the deals, how they are, look at it creatively and decide whether or not you want to do it or how you're going to do it, or if there's anything there. Sounds like you're right. pretty good at that. I'm trying. I'm trying. And you and I both are both, uh, we're, we're analytical guys. We want, you know, we want to put this input in and have this output come out. And we want to look at the data and say, this is the perfect data. This is going to yield this for me. This business is not that it's, it's a little bit more of an art. Uh, and it's about getting, you know, pushing, pushing, uh, the mail out or pushing that marketing out, calling the people back, you know, just seeing what arises more than, absolutely controlling every variable. Cause that, 
this business is can get you so deep in analysis paralysis that you get lost. I've been, I've personally been lost for months at a time, just Me trying too. to trying to send the perfect mailer. You know, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Just send it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've never been a, let's just uh, see what happens kind of person. And, but now back to this partnership thing, it's, we've got, Joe's got a staff. So I'm, they almost encouraged me to say, just get 25,000 units out and we can convert it. We can hit the numbers that you're looking for. And that's kind of the dream situation where, you know, I don't know if you're a Jack or a Jill or uh, it sounds like you definitely have talent in both areas, but when you have somebody on the other side, just processing all that and, and turning it into transactions, it's like right. an analytical person's dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I need, uh, I, I have been looking for and I have worked with a few people on, you know, trying to get them on the sales side. Um, and something I will definitely be doing here in the future. I love sales and I love talking to people, but, uh, I think you and I are, are both in the same boat as we like putting the data together and, you know, uh, trying to find an analytical way to solve the problem. This business just by default, by the, the data, data nature of it, or at least the way that we, um, when we entered the market, we really entered it data strong from a teaching standpoint, not from a, a buyer stand, acquisition standpoint. And it immediately and still does attract analytical people, but it's analytical people of all kinds. And so outcomes are variables and analytical people don't like variables. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm one of them. You don't like sending out five, 10,000 mailers and, and not really hearing a, a response. What that's, yes. that's odd. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me neither. Me neither. But we both, we both had it happen to us. So <laughs> I also don't like getting 5,000 phone calls back saying, yeah, yeah, let's do this deal. I like it. You know, that's, yeah. that's even in a lot of ways more scary because it's not priced right. I didn't do my homework correctly and all of that. So yeah, oh, you find your sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you found some opportunities where you have sent higher, higher price than you thought you should, and you still came out with a bunch of deals? So not as much anymore, because here's a story on that. I've, I've done that maybe two, possibly three times in my life where I've, and, and all of them have happened uh, after Jill and I joined forces and she was handling the acquisitions and sales of the phone work. And what ends up happening is she'll come back to me and say, you know, this is 10 times the work. Uh, to get a deal than if you, we just sent it out at a very low price. So um, the truth is, before I get a mailer out now, to this day, I ask her to uh, to come in and look at it. And she always doesn't spend enough time. So she, you know, I'll spend two hours looking at pricing, more than that, four hours. She's yeah. got what I call a soundbite mentality. She'll spend, look at it for 30 seconds and say something, say a soundbite like, we should just cut all the prices in half here and send it out. And so, which is a little bit soul crushing for me because I put a lot of time into You're it. Like, but I in just the spent end, the entire weekend doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, uh, she's right because yeah. there will, what ends up, when you'd run the numbers, and you know this, uh, uh, you know this in spades, when you run the numbers on a mailer, if it costs, I don't know, five or $6,000 more to send out 10,000 offers more. Yeah. And the opportunity, if you do it at a very, very low price, 20%, 30% or whatever, the, however the numbers come out, after hugely testing it for a reason, there's one or two more deals in there. There's no other decision uh, 
just if you're purely trying to make money, not generate calls or not find great deals, just purely trying to make money, there's no better decision than sending out 20,000 versus 10,000 at 20%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just volume. Just getting a hold of uh, that many more people. Yeah. There's going to be more hate, but that's part of this. Right, right. That never bothered me. I think it's a crack up. Has that has even rattled your feathers ever? You know, I, I like the, my girlfriend and I talk a lot about the the four agreements book. And I was like, man, if all these people I would, uh, I would reach out to just read the four agreements, you know, don't take anything personally, you know, just, just instill, uh, like everyone wants to get so emotional. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of sad to see, honestly, because you know, in the end of the day, you're just doing business. You're not going to the, the the store and getting emotional about how eggs just went up 60 cents, you know, like it's, it's just the name of the game. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of funny when it comes back and I mean, not funny, but people's reaction, if they would just, well, let's find a middle ground that almost never happens. You know, it's like, yeah. there's never like a middle ground conversation. It's just like, either I hate you or let's sell. <laughs> mm -hmm. I so. And again, that's one of those things you, you can't describe to somebody who's brand new. They want to know what's going to happen. Yeah. They want to know how many people are going to call back that are angry, how many people are going to talk about the middle ground, and how many how many people are going to just sign it and send it back. Yeah, yeah. It it's doesn't funny. work that way. It's, yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, there's so many more people that could probably get an, a higher offer from me on, that, on the spot that day if they would just call back collectively. Like, you know, is that the best you can do? And just not say anything else. I'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but it's it, does, it hardly ever happens. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Chills it just handles that perfectly because our answer is usually no. What do you want? I, there, maybe there's some room left in this. Let me look. What, what do you want? How much more do you want? And it's usually an insignificant amount, $500 or $1,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So interesting. So what do you expect to make just like net, uh, like a range in 2024? If you're not comfortable answering this stuff, it's totally okay. No, that's okay. I think it's good to, to be transparent about your goals and and where you're trying to go, especially in, in, a, in a community like this. Um, I'm trying to make uh, multiple six-figure in the, in the high six-figure range. I was in the lower six-figure range last year. Um, I think... I'm always trying to double what I did the year before. And I've pretty much done that for the the last three or four years. So mm -hmm. um, one day it would be, it'd be great to do a seven, seven figure year. Uh, I know I need a team or to do a little more value add deals to probably make that happen. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's definitely possible in this business. I mean, you're right on the track and right on that track and you're, you're pretty young for the, the amount of success that you're experiencing. I'm glad you're uh, traveling around the world. You get older, uh, an old guy, you know, this is an old guy talking to a young guy, you get older and it's just, there's more stuff in your life. And I'm sure you've heard that from many people. So yeah. yeah, have a blast while you can. I'm trying before I get a dog, you know, before I get a mortgage, you know, get married, all those sort of things. So yeah, well, I can't is a killer. <laughs> it'll just, it'll stop you in your tracks. Right. And uh, right. this isn't about getting married, but don't just put it off as long as you can. That's my advice. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> we always shoot for speaking back to money. Now we, we always shoot for, or I do, I guess 
Jill's pretty good about it. She just asked me to set the goals. We'd shoot for between two and $5 million uh, net every year. And it always mm -hmm. comes back. Like last year, it came back uh, for real estate only, you know, in a, around 3 million. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. Yeah. Are you, are you um, open to letting everyone know how much mail that, that sort of volume would take? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't track a track at the, probably the way I used to, but sure. we sent, I just, I did, I calculated how much mail we sent just like kind of calculated on the calculator on my phone recently. And it's, it's just millions and millions of letters. Um, so mm -hmm. we get a real substantial, we have a built up uh, presence out there, almost a marketing presence uh, in certain areas in the country. And so I just opened a letter today, just this morning with a deal that we're, that I've, that we sent out in 2005 or something like that. It was a handwritten letter with the signed offer back. So wow. um, how much mail did we send last year? It was uh, probably a couple hundred thousand, maybe 250. Yeah. yeah. Probably about 250,000 letters ish. Yeah. Sounds about right. That's, and that's a pretty good uh, return on investment. If you ask me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's you. Uh, I stopped calculating it years ago. Right. Right. At a certain point, just how much can you, how much can how much cash flow how much just watching your cash you know available for the next uh next batch of mailers what can i do next you know and that's why we get so many analytical people in this uh however you want to call it a side hustle a side business i don't i don't think you should ever quit your job before you uh, are real confident in how much money you're making but we get a disproportionate amount of technical people because because of those sentences, like I just said, you know, I sent out 250 letters. Well, it doesn't take a long time to figure out how much that costs. Right. Uh, I'm okay on the phone because I have some type of sales background. Uh, you know, this is me kind of thinking out loud with this, who this business attracts. And so when you line that business up with, you know, there's no startup costs of, of any significance at all, maybe just mail. There's a, I don't know, maybe a 12 month learning curve. You would know better than me what the learning curve is like. And then mm -hmm. uh, if you're just there to make money, this is a, a great business model. It's really, really strong, but you have to put the time in. You yeah. line that up against anything, manufacturing, retail, uh, wholesaling, uh, you know, uh, selling stuff on Amazon. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. The numbers don't work like that. Right, so, right. I love this business, you know, I, I'm sure you do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, been a really cool way for me. I'm a bit of a geography buff. I'm a bit of a analytical spreadsheets buff and man, th those, that combination in this business has, uh, has really done it for me. I really enjoy seeing different parts of the country, talking to different people in different parts of the country, seeing how they talk. I mean, talking to someone in Tennessee versus talking to someone in Southern Florida or, Oregon or, you know, some of these different areas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, it's, it's pretty cool to, uh, you know, just get people's even sh people will talk your ear off. If you, if you, mm -hmm. if you let them, you know, they will tell you their life story and I kind of pull it out of some people and then I'm like, got to tone it back. Cause we've been on the phone for 30 minutes, but it's, it's kind of a cool way to, to, you know, understand the culture, understand the way people think all around the country. I've never spoken with anyone who's substantially successful in this business who didn't say some version of what you just said. And so there's an irony to this because you have to have a native core interest in speaking with people on the phone 
to be successful at this. And that, and it's weird because again, this attracts so many technical people that, uh, you know, I'm not, I wasn't born a phone person and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty loud about it, but I did it. I did it for a long yeah. time and made it mm -hmm. work, but that was never my first choice. So you're making it work is my point. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I need to find myself a Jill, you know, I need to find, find someone I can let my analytical side shine as well. You know? Yeah. I think well, that's the will. next big thing. If you're trying, you know, then you will. Yeah. Yeah. It's could really interesting. Me, yeah, go ahead. Could you tell me a little bit more like on early parts of your career? Cause I I've read some things and I've heard some, I've, I've listened to quite a few of your guys' podcasts and you know, I've been uh, a member land Academy for, for quite a few years can you tell me about the early years of, uh, you know, you starting the mailhouse slash finding the data, because it sounds like you're 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 an OG in the space, uh, from what I've heard about direct mail and actually connecting with people. I'm down here in Costa Rica. There's no, like I I was like concerned. Oh, I could like trade land down here. There's no addresses. <laughs> like it's it's you know across tsunami surf shop, off of you know this road. That's like an address that you can't, you can't get a hold of people. There's no mapping. So it's almost impossible. Can you tell me like the early days of what it was really like in the early days before a lot of this technology came out? Yeah. Before I do, I'll have to tell you, I drove around Costa Rica for six months. This is a lot of years ago. Uh, long oh, before yeah. I met Jill and with the idea of buying big, large pieces of property, getting some access and then subdividing them and selling them. And yeah. Uh, it was a dead end. I know exactly what you're going through right now. <laughs> dead end after dead end after dead end. And here, the real dead end, and please tell me if it's different now, because geez, my, this story is 15, at least 15, 20 years old. We couldn't, uh, everything is closed. They don't have the legal presence like we do. They have notaries, <clears throat> notarios, and uh, it takes a year to buy a piece of property there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a, uh, that was the all that was a nail in the coffin for me on Costa Rica. I just I, the markets there, the resale market. I can sell this stuff all day long up here. Everybody wants a piece of property in Costa Rica, including me. Right, right. And what a yeah. lifestyle you're living in now. We yeah. just couldn't, um, we couldn't get over. It. And then when you go to resell it, it takes a year. No one's going to do that. I think it's I think it's gone a bit quicker now. And I could see back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago that was the case. It's all but it's all through attorney and there's no maps and addresses, not really a thing. Uh you're not gonna send a piece of mail to anyone or get a hold of who the actual owner is. It's pretty tough. So it's all it's all word of mouth if you want to do any business down here or relationships, right? So <laughs> and then it's like one deal, one transaction to close it can cost five thousand. And another yeah. one can cost 82,000. And if you ask why it's the, you're right. It's not math driven. It's not, there's no standards for anything. And that's just because they felt like charging you that. And yeah. so yeah. I respect the other cultures completely respect them, but it's just, Absolutely. it was hard for me to digest it coming from here. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different world in real estate down here. I'll tell you that. But this whole but, what, academy. What, what, yeah. But what, can you tell me a little bit about the, what, like the first time you uh, found the data in the U.S. or found that 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 green light that allowed you to get in this business? Yeah. So when I gra uh, graduated from college, uh, I I joined almost immediately. I had a couple odd jobs in accounting, but I after that I I joined uh, a full commission commercial real estate group, a kind of a higher end one in Detroit, and 
and they immediately, you know, it's like you've heard it a million times that cliche. The supervisor slapped a phone book on my desk uh, and said, start cold calling people to lease office space, which was just like banging your head against the wall. So after, yeah. I don't know, months of that, I don't remember, I chose voluntarily chose a specialization to get involved in healthcare. Why? And I didn't know back then why. But what ended up happening when I look back on it is there was a, a lot more data connected to healthcare tenants, how they get paid with Medicare and Medicaid. And it was all published because it's government stuff. Sure. And so I start, started then to tie data to real estate, not even knowing it at the time. I was just, I was frustrated with the other way they were doing it. And so long story short, I bought, started buying and selling nursing homes and uh, assisted living facilities that are licensed federally and licensed from a state standpoint. They disclosed everything. They disclosed the, the department heads of who works in the facilities, who owns the building, who, who is the uh, actual administrator who is operating it, all their phone number and information, uh, and specifically their fax numbers. This is before email. Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I put all the data into a database. I actually typed it in uh, into a database and then manipulated some software to make sure I can stay in contact with the people who own these buildings because that industry at the time wasn't rolled up. You know, there were 15,000 properties. That was the entire target. And there were two or three companies that were publicly traded. You probably had this experience with uh, whatever private equity groups you were working with that were just yeah. dying for acquisitions. So it was kind of a perfect storm. You got these mom and pop sellers, these uh, Wall Street groups that are willing to pay more. And so that's what happened. And I did it pretty successfully for a lot of years, specifically by sending faxes out, which we send in direct mail now. So all that did was further my, while I was actually getting a paycheck now, all it did was further my frustration with how long that would take a year to sell a nurse home back then there was debt piece and an equity piece and i it was the hardest transaction in real estate there ever was so in the background i'm like i got to find a better way right and, but i knew that the data piece worked so this is now you know I, and i did that first deal by then I, I always had that a side real estate situation going on whether it was just buying and selling houses and making 10 grand on it Sure. There was no data involved in that. It was just wherever I was at the time. But I did that first eBay deal where I bought a piece of, I bought an 80 acre property. I don't remember the exact numbers. I think it was for eight grand, $100 an acre, and just redressed it all up on the internet with maps and stuff and pictures and yeah. sold it for twice, twice that. That was my light bulb moment. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So just I went, went from to... the, the hardest transaction in nursing home and, and government regulatory bodies to just straight dirt and, and never look back. I, I respect it. It was opposite extremes. And so yeah. then I spent a long time going around the country, uh, much like you are now, actually, probably at about your age, going around the country, going to auctions and buying land and reselling it on the internet. And that dried up because everybody found out about it. And then mm -hmm. the taxing authority, this is the internet's now really kicking in. And yeah. so that the taxing authorities that are taking these properties back figured out that they could auction them off themselves as they should have. Sure. So that dried up and that was enter RealQuest, the data sent. So I sent that first mailer out. I remember that day, almost minute by minute when we sent the first mailer out. And I also remember the day when we started getting phone calls back and purchase agreements in the mail. You know, no one's what, ever done what this. What did before. I just do? Yeah. <laughs> to my knowledge, no one's ever done that before. So, or if they did, they didn't do it on the scale that we were doing it. So, right. And then, and then it was that, it was again, that moment, like, what year oh, was I, that? I got to figure this out now because it's all here. 
I just, now it's a puzzle with all the pieces staring at me. I just got to sure. put it together. Sure. Sure. What year do you think that was? We sent the first, first mailer out. out. Got really serious about it. Uh, about 2002 ish, maybe four. Okay. Yeah. But I'll tell you before, before real quest, we were buying CDs and DVDs. Well, CDs back then from the, the, the uh, assessors. Yeah. From the counties. <laughs> Crazy. So I, that was, uh, that was, that was keeping everyone out of the business, everyone, because I sell, and you don't, there was no YouTube. So I self-taught ASCII 2 Delimited and uh, Microsoft Access taught it to myself by reading manuals, reading the stuff that Microsoft would put out. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's hard to look at. <laughs> it's a huge learning curve. <laughs> yeah. But we made it work. Incredible. Incredible. Appreciate you sharing that. That's uh. Yeah, I, I, the, it, how far things have come, even in the last five years that I've I've been doing this business, you know, it's it's mm -hmm. moving very quickly. So, can you imagine um, five years from now what it's going to look like? Yeah, no, exactly. The spaces, there's still going to be just as many parcels available, though, right? There's still just oh, I, I mean, I think there's always going to be there's a demand for land. Yeah, geez, if I mean, think about 1880. <sighs> Yeah, And now, I mean, I, I, there's most, if not all me included people back then probably would have said, there's no way this is, this land thing's going to go on. We're going to run out of it. And here we are. Right. So right. it's just going to yeah. be something else. I, I have a meeting after this with uh, a guy that uh, is extremely successful and he's a, uh, our kids played soccer when they were real literal. Our, our kids are all in college now, but you know, I'm meeting with him to, he's got a massive uh, SFR rental portfolio and he owns strip centers and all kinds of stuff. And they're they're they experienced and have been experienced a couple of years like what you've experienced, where it's just dried up. Yeah. And so it's harder to buy inexpensive properties, cost capitals more. So I, there's a big opportunity now I see for developing smaller properties uh, on land, developing smaller houses because uh, the market will absorb those because they're cheaper. Yeah. And so he, I, I I'm gonna meet with them actually right after this and. He's all ready to go on it. He, but you know, this guy, as successful as he is, cannot grasp or has no interest in sending a mailer out. So, hey, whatever. you know what you you know what you know. You know your skills. You if if you've been successful, I feel like the more successful you become in something, the more you're willing. You're just gonna, you know, kind of push. I see at least other people pushing things away that are uncomfortable because they 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 already did it. You know, they already they're already doing well. Why would they change? So. Mm -hmm. I can understand. I think that's a little scary. I don't, I've always embraced new stuff professionally. Always. As have I. Yeah. Right. You have to. Yeah. But, you know, success brings, uh, you know, comfortability or uh, I, I don't, it's, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard challenge to, to get out of the route that is, has brought you success. I feel like for a lot of folks. I'm definitely, uh, here's where I am in my life. And then I'm going to ask you for your advice for, uh, for everybody who's listening. I am, uh, I'm tired of working as hard and as many hours and certainly watching Joel work as hard as she is. So we've decided that in 2024, we're going to leverage both time and money through people like this guy I'm about to meet because he's not, he is, he's a little bit younger too. And He's got a lot of energy and he understands uh, slapping a house together and renting it out really a thousand times better than I ever will. Mm -hmm. He just needs the deals. Right. So 
we will, I will attempt to leverage him from a money standpoint and uh, a time standpoint and do that with several people. So, you know, we don't have to work as hard, but we're making more money. And that's, like that was, took a long time for me to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get it into uh cash flowing assets, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your advice for, you know, finally here, last question, what, what's your advice for anybody who's listening or, or new or thinking about doing this or, uh, or just like we just said, trying to turn a corner and they're have and they're stalling. Um, I mean, if I can do it as a broke college kid, uh, with a few thousand dollars to his name and, you know, just scale over, you know, three, four or five years and to where I'm making six figures a year, I think my advice would be just send the mail, just, just get it out. And, uh, you know, don't get lost in the analysis of finding the best area or, you know, am I doing this right? Do I need everyone's opinion before I take any action? Just take action, reach out to people, see what happens. My advice along those lines is if get over being afraid of the phone, cause it's, it's, it's imperative. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid of the phone for a long time. I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sean, it's great to talk to you. What a great story. What's next after Costa Rica? You know, I just, I may just put down roots here. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> no, I do love it here. I am learning to surf and I'm, uh, I, I've fallen in love with the place, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see in the next few years. If I come back stateside full time, not, not fully sold on it just yet. So we'll see. Do you think on a personal note, uh, you know, if you had a house and I don't know, are you, are you saving money on the road or is it the opposite? Um, when I was, when I was traveling a lot, I was, I like to eat out a lot. I have a big appetite. I used to be an athlete, so not exactly saving money. Um, but I think just being able to shift my lifestyle as a young person, uh, and not being locked into a, a certain place has allowed me to be so much more flexible and, and really has allowed me to be an entrepreneur because I can say, you know, three, six months in advance, like this is what I got to do to get that next mailer out or to, you know, get my business continuing. This is, this is a place I need to be. This is the sunshine I need to get. This is, you know, this is, this is what's going to bring me motivation. So I wouldn't say it's saving me money traveling a lot. Uh, I'm not really living in Bali and, and, uh, or, or across the country or across the world in a really cheap area, but I have, uh, been able to find the motivation, um, because I've been moving around a lot. I feel like but I'm just, I'm kind of weird. So just exactly the same way. She has to have one to three vacations in the calendar planned mm -hmm. and they have to be, uh, and, and that includes like concert tickets and all kinds of stuff, or she's just not right. Like it, it really mentally affects her if she doesn't have something to look forward to and work toward financially. It, I, yeah. I swear when we have like an expensive vacation loaded up in the calendar, she, she generates more money. Yeah. Yeah. That time scarcity too, you know, like that's coming up. We gotta, we gotta get this project. We gotta get this mail out before we go, you know, sort of thing. So yeah. I agree. Got to do it. Yeah. Great talking to you. Great story. Likewise. Let's keep in touch. Please, please. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Sean Monstrum, everybody.